children know they're special, uniquely made, made in a special way by God, and and we're taught to see our neighbor in that same way. So you're empowering the child himself, and you're also letting him know that, by your words and example um, that that child next to him is equally as important and loved. Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERA, Arlington's 96.7 FM. This is your host, Sal Dietry. A survey of D.C. middle schoolers found one in 13 had their first drink of alcohol before the age of nine years old. 30% of female minority middle schoolers tragically had serious thoughts of killing themselves And it's frightening to report that 20% actually had made a plan to kill themselves. This from a 2017 D.C. Public Schools Youth Risk Behavior Survey gives us tremendous alarm. Into this world of D.C. inner youth, a group of educators have band together to bring a message of hope, the mission of the gospel, graduating 100% of 8th graders and 91% of their 2017 graduates went on to be accepted at competitive high schools in the D.C. area. Well, today we're joined by Vincent Spadoni. He's president of the Consortium of Catholic Academies in Washington, D.C. Vincent, thanks for joining us to talk about the Consortium of Catholic Academies and how you're helping inner-city youth. So good to be with you this evening, Sal, and thank you so much for the invitation to be back on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love having you back. Look, the last time you were with us, uh, you were principal at St. Elizabeth's up in Rockville. Uh, Pretty nice gig. Had been there for a long time, tenured, um, had really built the school into something great. What, What moved you to take on a mission to become president of this consortium of inner city uh, D.C. Catholic schools? Well, you know, I I give, um, God has been very good to me in the last 20, 23 years. I've I've been a part of this archdiocese and administration, first as a vice principal at St. Elizabeth, actually, back in the late 90s. Um, Then from there, I went to St. Ambrose and Cherbourg as principal for five years. And then, of course, I last was at St. Elizabeth for 14. And um, what an incredible experience that was. And and, and becoming, you know, over those years, the largest Catholic grade school in the archdiocese of Washington with close to 600 children. Um, Sometimes there's an itch you have to move and to, 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 to take a risk and to try something else. And I knew um, that time was coming probably a year before I actually left. And um, I, I've been really drawn, I've been inspired by the principals who work in these four consortium schools. I've gotten to know them over the years. And, and they've stayed around, and, and their faculty stay. And there's something really special about just, just the joy they have in their work. And when I was looking to move, definitely something in, in D.C. and helping um, children coming from disadvantaged backgrounds was, was just, just felt like that was where I wanted to be. Um, and then this came up, and actually someone talked to me about it last year when the job first opened, and um, I, I had just asked our vice principal at St. Elizabeth at the time to come on board as the VP, and I just, again, I thought that wasn't the right time. But um, when the job came open again after the director moved to the West Coast, um, I don't know, jobs don't have come open twice in, in a two-year period, and I thought God was saying, now's the time to go. And yeah. uh, boy, am I ever glad I did. Yeah, the numbers I read at the intro, this from a uh, 2017 D.C. Public Schools Youth yeah. Risk Behavior Survey, 
are, are very, very concerning. And when we think about the ages of these children, um, you know, I, I'm just so impressed that you've jumped into this mission. Tell us, what is the consortium of Catholic schools? Who, who are these schools? Where are they at in the district? Give folks some flavor for that. So, so four schools comprise the, the current consortium. Uh, St. Anthony's, uh, St. Anthony Catholic School in Brookland, um, right near, right near Catholic University. Uh, Sacred Heart on North, uh, Park Road on Northwest DC, uh, right off of 16th Street. And then we have two schools in Southeast DC, uh, St. Francis Xavier Academy and St. Thomas More uh, Catholic Academy. Those are the four schools. Uh, in 1997, uh, Cardinal Hickey was the was the Archbishop of Washington at the time, and and was had a faith in the future, kind of a push in the, in the city of D.C. D.C. looked very different in the late in the late 90s. Um, the parishes at that time could no longer sustain the Catholic schools the way a traditional parish was able to help and support a Catholic school. So Cardinal Hickey and his team at the uh, team put together this consortium. And, and at one point, it grew to a total of 14 schools. And then they realized that, you know, with having, you know, you're, you're tapping into donors to help to subsidize tuition, it's 14 was too much. So they, so they eventually they scaled it back. And it's been now more about 10 years now, where we've had these four Catholic schools comprise what, what is today the consortium, uh, all, all a vision, really, of Cardinal Hickey. Um, versus just saying we're going to close these schools. What else can we do? What other models are out there? Um, and, and himself took the risk to see if it could happen. So you're bringing resources and skilled educators via this consortium uh, to under-resourced Catholic schools. Is that correct? That's exactly right, yes. And so, I, so, I, so in my role as president, I not only oversee... So basically, you're, you're kind of like a, a superintendent of these four schools in a way. Um, so you're looking at the academics, the facilities, so on, but you're also trying to generate um, publicity. You know, I'm very, very active on social media, getting good word out on our four, our four schools, um, and then also to, to, to develop a, a donor base for our, for our four schools. So as I understand it, you're, you're teamed in this consortium um, with something called the Alliance for Catholic Education, ACE? We have ACE teachers who, 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 are stat, who help in each of our four schools. That's our partnership with Notre Dame. Right, and tell us about that. They, these are folks who are um, teachers who graduate from Notre Dame or are in the process of doing that, and they feel a strong calling to come and uh, work in these under-resourced schools. It's really a sense of faith and mission, correct? Yeah, absolutely, faith and mission. And uh, we provide Notre Dame with what, you know, it's a, it's a very menial stipend, and then that's the, that the ACE teacher gets a portion of that stipend. Of course, another portion goes back to the program of ACE. And then What's been a joy, what I'm learning more and more about where I'm getting so much energy in this job is how many of these ACE teachers actually stay on board after their two-year commitment is up, become faculty members at these schools. That's great. That's, you, you know, you also talk about, uh, you also have a, a partnership with something called the Christ Child Society of Washington, yeah. where there are actual counselors on site five days a week. Um what is that about, and what has that meant to some of these kids who come from, some come from fairly challenging uh, homes? Absolutely, and, that, and that those are the children we serve. Um, Christ Child has been, has been a gift to us. Um, we, not only do they provide um, counselors at such a nominal cost to our schools, um, they also provide tutoring, both during, through volunteers, that's all free, 
So both during the day and after school, um, we get women to come in, really, to um, many of whom have taught, many of whom have never taught, a lot of retirees who come in to support the children in that way. They're all trained through a specific reading intervention program. So they bring a set, they bring that skill with them, and uh, it's another it's another benefit. But it's interesting when we when we give standardized assessments to the boys and girls. You know, we're trying to look for trend, different trends. You know, we know children come from very disadvantaged backgrounds and so on. And you're look, you, we're part of it is we know the academics may not be where we all want them to be. But sometimes those trends show us that the trauma that some of our boys and girls have experienced in their lives, we really re- require additional counseling services. So, so that data has become actually very helpful to say, well, we can only do, you know, academically, we have these interventions in place. We really can't give much more in that department. However, when you're looking at these children's backgrounds, wow, we really could use another counselor in this building. So very helpful in that regard, too. Yeah, one of the things I think that differentiates the Catholic education, I, I would say all, all religious education, is, you know, you're, you're focused on spirituality social, emotional, physical, cognitive growth. And this is another level of the whole child, right? That you would see typically in the public school system, but in, in a faith-based system, you're adding that spirituality component. What, what does that mean for uh, the faculty and the students in the consortium schools? So I think for us, prayer is most essential. So schools beginning their day with faculty prayer, um, giving the teachers the, tool, the, the internal tools they need to do the work they have to do in the classroom. And, and then really, it's about empowering our children um, in all those facets that you mentioned in school life. So making sure there's time for exercise, making sure there's time for play, um, making sure there's time for prayer, for quiet. Um, it's, it's definitely an emphasis in all of our schools to make sure we're taking care, of, taking care of every aspect of the development of these children. And of course, academics most important most important, but their spiritual, actually their spiritual life is most important. Um, and really, what, what, I, what I've always said, even, no matter where I've been a principal or where I've been a teacher, um, when, they, when, that, when that's in place, or as much as it can be for a young person, a lot of great things can happen. And, you know, impressively from your website, 100% of your 8th grade students graduate on time, and 91% of your 2017 graduates were accepted at competitive Catholic, private, or magnet schools in D.C. That is so impressive. And what are some of the classroom practices you're doing to do that? What's your secret sauce? What's the code behind this? And and I understand it's always got to start with grace and, and probably with the mission of the gospel. But tell us something about the Catholic education that is able to do this. So I, 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 I feel it's first and foremost we have partnerships and relationships with our families. So families are choosing to put their children in our schools. Um, they want a faith-based education. And because of their commitment to, to the school um, and their partnership with not only the teachers but also the administration, it automatically brings a sense of order to the building. So when I'm in these buildings, and I'm in, I'm in each of the schools, one, at least once a week I'm moving from school to school, the highlights of my week, by the way, um, there's just a sense of order. And there's, it's not rigidity, it's not silence, there's a sense of order. There's a sense of we know what's coming next. Um, so it's, it's teacher-directed sometimes, but it's also student-directed and teacher-facilitated. Um, but, I, but I think you can't, you can't really do much without partnership, one, with, with parents and, fa- and sometimes families, because we have grandparents and, and foster parents taking care of our children. 
Um, I think that's first and foremost. Um, and then having the, the right teachers in place to be able to carry out a healthy um, classroom environment for boys and girls to thrive. Yeah, and our, I, our, our statistics are so good. I, I mean, I came into this not even realizing how, uh, number one, that the graduation rate was spectacular year after year after year, but that the, the transition to high school, last year two of our Catholic grade schools had 100% admission to Catholic high school. Yeah, and, so, you know, one of the things, you know, uh, that I noticed uh, in in Catholic schools is the focus on literature, reading, writing, vocabulary, that, that's always been just a tenant of a good Catholic education. Do you think that's making a huge difference in, in these times now where parents are really trying to limit screen time? And there are studies now that show that, you know, the brain actually starts reacting differently um, from all of this screen time. I, I see it with my own kids. If, if, if there's one thing that we say in our house, it's not good morning and good night. It's give us your phone and get off the phone. <laughs> Exactly. Well, well, we we adults need those reminders as well. Yes, I I, I think we need those reminders too. Um, one thing I have, you know, I, as, as a principal myself, we never had phones in classrooms, so um, that that and that's where we are in the consortium. So our boys and girls don't travel around with their phones. Now they need their phones, so they check them in at the office. In some schools, they have them in their backpacks and their lockers. In other schools, so um, that distraction. It doesn't play into life in the consortium, really. Um, which, which though, which as you brought, you know, leads to to more time focusing on those things that are most important. So, getting them strong foundations in the in in the essentials, and then broadening their horizons with in, incredible art classes. The the and the, if you if you follow our Twitter or you look at our Instagram or so on that that our principals are putting on our schools, all those extras. Wow, I, I continue to be blown away by that piece of, of what we're offering our boys and girls as well. Yeah, it, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing with uh, inner city kids? On your website, you have a story about a, a, a girl named uh, Niani B. She was yeah. a, uh, a student who was relocated uh, into the United States, so she immigrated to the United States and uh, into the inner city school system and attended one of your schools. And uh, she has gone on to be just a shining example. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the kids who come to the school and then, uh, you know, what you know about her case. Oh, she's now a senior in high school at one of our uh, all-girl elite schools in D.C. and is thriving. Uh, and she was one of three siblings that went through St. Anthony School in Brookland. Um, three, three really, uh, three success stories. Now, again, uh, like the principal will tell you, and the principals at all of our schools will tell you, the varied backgrounds of children coming from different, pl- not only different places within the district and different backgrounds, but also coming from different countries. So there's a lot of um, interventions that need to be put in place for each and every one of our boys and girls to be successful. And Yanni's case, um, you know, the, the principal, you know, that's why she's featured on our website. I mean, talk about someone who came in, partnership with parents, um, and, and did so, so well at St. Anthony, and is now now a senior thriving off to college next year. Yeah, that's impressive. You know, part of this, and you and I have chatted about this the last time you were on the show, is about passion and a higher purpose, and how we can get these kids... Um, help nurture their passions early in life, find that spark, because 
you know, we all, you know, and sometimes it takes us, we're 50 years old and we don't know what, what we're supposed to be doing, right? If you follow, be careful, go, be careful. That's hey, I, I'm going to be 50 yeah, yeah. this year, so I better figure it out soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, how do we do that? How, that's got to be part of your plan. You know, how does the gospel fit into that in terms of helping these kids see their higher purpose? Because it's got to be part of helping them see life beyond where they are right now. Absolutely, and it's giving them hope, and, and giving them hope in, in the future, and hope in their own abilities. Um, you know, I always say the gospel's about empowerment; it's not about just settling. And and I think our teachers, being empowered by the gospel, really bring that to their classrooms. And um, and it is giving the boys and girls a view of what's ahead, possibilities ahead, and and really bringing back graduates of our schools to talk to our students. That's been another wonderful uh, piece of what our principals do to say, look what happens when you live. Look at the solid education you've gotten here, the opportunities that have come about, and look what else lies ahead. Yeah, and I think it gets back to, you know, we, we always say that, you know, in, in Psalm 139 uh, is one of my favorites. It, it was something that always um, was written on, uh, on some paper above my son's bed, and it says, you know, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And, and to some extent, knowing that we are all wonderfully made to do something in this life is, is something that people have known since, the, since biblical times. It, it's fundamental that even in those times, people would see people sort of milling around and say, hey, what, right. what are we all called to do here? Um, and the fact that you all are tra- helping kids do that at an early age has got to be, I think, a huge part of your success story. I, I absolutely positive, and I think there's, and I think that's the reason our teacher retention rate is so high. One of our schools, St. Francis, has the highest teacher retention rate in the Archdiocese. Yeah, and you have a story. Which, which if you, yeah, which if you heard, you know, when you think about it, oh, in Southeast DC, the highest teacher retention rate is at what, the Southeast Catholic School. That's that's what's happening. Yeah, that's amazing. They, and... they love their work, uh, and when you visit that school, which I do. I understand why they want to stay. I understand why they love what they do. So let's yeah. let's follow on that. You have a story on your website about uh, teacher Judith Horn, who received an oh, award yeah. uh, from you. Tell us a bit about Miss Horn and uh, some of the folks who are like her in the school. Oh, Miss Horn! Miss Horn's an amazing woman. Uh, first grade teacher at St. Anthony's. Our first Golden Apple. So the Golden Apple is an award bestowed by uh, the Archdiocese of Washington to ten teachers uh, each year in the Archdiocese. Uh, last year, we had another Golden Apple, Grace Bogosian, um, at Sacred Heart School. Um, but the, the, uh, when you walk into Mrs. Horn's classroom, you know it's, it's, it's not only a first grade, a lot of things going on academically. It's a warm, loving, nurturing environment. And her classroom assistant, Ms. Kane, it, you know, she, she takes her cues from Ms. Horn, um, and that works beautifully. And so... Um, but definitely a mission-driven educator. Loves what she does, loves being at St. Anthony's, proud to be at St. Anthony's, and um, you better be careful when you get with Miss Horn because she'll be very clear to tell you just how much she loves the place. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you know, how do you help uh, kids maybe just a little bit more on the, the social aspect and the counseling aspect? How do you help children and parents deal with uh, some of these difficult situations that I talked in the beginning, loneliness depression, mm-hmm. bullying, sometimes violence at home. Uh, yes. Where do you start with something like that when these kids come to you? 
So I'm going to use this word one more time. It really is the relationships that teachers build with their families and the students in their care. So when children disclose, talk to teachers, that's when we swoop in with support. And that's why, you know, some of our donors specifically target their uh, giving to, to counseling resources, to family resources, to bringing in speakers for our families, being able to do it in two languages, uh, Spanish and English, to be able to provide them with additional supports at home in dealing with a lot of the issues that children bring. Um, and some of those issues deal with, you know, difficulty with their classmates, um, coming to a new country, those kind of things. Um, so, uh, but really the, the first step is that relationship that's built with our teachers and our boys and girls kind of, you know, letting teachers know what's happening in their lives. Yeah. It's interesting. My, my son said to me one time, he goes to a Catholic school here in Arlington and he said, you know, uh, we all just kind of get along in some way and that, that they're sort of in an environment where it's okay to be yourself. There's a lot of structure around the gospel and, and the message that Jesus gives and that just adds sort of, um, you know, a calming structure in some way. Now, kids will always Absolutely. act up. Kids will always be kids. Sure. But but yeah. it's it definitely sets a tone that brings about yeah. a certain understanding of the kid next to you and a certain peace, I would say, that's, a, that's there in the classroom. I would agree 100%. Absolutely, positively. Yep. And children, like you said earlier, children know they're special, uniquely made, especially, made in a special way by God, and, and we're taught to see our neighbor in that same way. So you're empowering the child himself, and you're also letting him know um, by your words and example um, that that child next to him is equally as important and loved. What are some of your goals as you look over the next uh, few years uh, for the Consortium of Catholic Academies? What are some of your um, near-term goals and then some of your long-term goals uh, for the organization and the students, the teachers, the, you know, the, the, the entity itself? I think our, our, you know, I would say right now the short-term goals is, is really uh, one of the reasons I'm here is developing a, a, a support system, a, mostly a financial support system, even a volunteer support system for our schools. Um, so how can people, if people want to choose to, to, to support the custodian financially, we we have all the, these areas in which we need that support from from upgrading facilities at St. Thomas More. We were just on the news last week. We had a donor come forward, um, and all all due to the energy of a little boy, of a confirmation candidate, eighth grader, uh, in another parish who saw a need for a library. And the next thing you know, not only does he raise collect all these books, but we end up with a brand new library at St. Thomas More, or you know, serving some of the poorest children in Washington D.C. Um, that. That, that's first and foremost. We have aging facilities, so getting making sure children know when they come to school that they see that the facility that they're in is cared for, and which we do care for it, but they're aging. Um, so some of our immediate goals are really about developing a, um, a, a steady stream of revenue for the consortium tuition assistance so we can help more and more children to um, not only come to the consortium but stay in our consortium schools. And then long-term, it, uh, I, our right now looking looking out is really how do we get the teachers even more resources that they need um, to best educate the children in their classes. So our classes really aren't, you know, they're not, they're, they're about 22 to 25 children. Um, all the lower grades have assistance, but getting them the tools they need in the classrooms, all the tools they need, but also, um, but also, uh, sorry, what's going on? 
the, the, tool, the tools that they need, but also the professional development um, that teachers need. Hey, that might have been a donor. You might have wanted to take that call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. You know, I, so how, how are you, you know, these, these public-private partnerships, um, you know, obviously you're looking for people who are, uh, want to affiliate with your message. Are you talking to any corporations or any sort of larger entities in, in the D.C. area or outside the D.C. area? Yeah, who, we're, 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 we are. We are both nationally and locally developing partnerships and what is the vibe there that people want to um you know they want to help these schools or they're looking for sort of a, um, a a partnership where maybe they're bringing something that that's in it for them and the school's going to get a new school how is that are you seeing any of that sort of start to shake out we are yeah in my short time just in the short short amount of time even just people that i know that have asked to tour um people from that i've known over the years that have just said yeah let me come in and see what you're doing and when they come in I mean, I had someone pay for three tuitions on, on her first visit there. Yep. So um, definitely a sense of, wow, I want to be a part of this. Um, working with local companies, uh, energy, working with an energy company now to be able to get roofs and LED lighting. There's a lot of credits given to companies who can, um, you know, they, they basically take care of all that funding. That's how we're going to get new roofs on our schools, you know. That's uh, that's a lot to raise for, but um, there are corporations and companies out there that there's there's tax benefits and there's other benefits. Um, so yes, definitely. So it's called but action we, but we time. Need more of that, Sal. We yeah, need more of that. yeah, I hear you. Hey, the, we're 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 here to help. Yeah. It, you know, call to action time. Um, we got about a minute or so left. Uh, call to action for for educators who want to seek the gospel as a, a a source of hope, or perhaps a call to action for. Um, you know, inner city parents and, and schools, regardless of faith, things that, that you are on your heart you'd like to share in the next minute with folks? I think for me, um, this has been, in, in just these last, uh, since July and, and when schools opened in August, it's been, it's been pretty life-changing for me, and I continue to be inspired by the hard and dedicated work of our principals, our four outstanding principals, and the teachers that are in these schools. And I, it's been a delight uh, attending work, attending evening performances and some parent workshops with, with our parents uh, for me to start to get to know them because there's so many wonderful things happening in the inner city. And I think sometimes we come at it with preconceived notions of what the inner city is. But once we step into these schools, we see incredible transformational things happening in the name of the gospel and because of the gospel. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, Vincent Spadoni, he's president of the uh, Consortium of Catholic Academies here in the District of Columbia. Thank you for your efforts to share the gospel, the tenets of faith, scholarship, and service with so many inner-city students here in the D.C. area. If listeners want to find out more about the Consortium of Catholic Academies, please visit their website at catholicacademies.org. A replay of this program, along with select interview highlights, will be posted on the gracein30.com website. Yeah, give us a day or two. Uh, the show will also re-air on WERALP this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. This is Sal Dietry signing off for Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington's 96.7 FM. Have a great night, my friends, and be sure to tune in to Grace.